since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too good to be true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne, of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey, and I'm so excited to get started. Hello. Welcome back, and happy Labor Day. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, it is Labor Day. Just a reminder, summer, the end of summer, Labor Day, all of these holidays are, yes, way more fun without alcohol. I promise you, I know you're thinking, what? That's bananas. She's lost it. You guys, it's not bananas, and I have not lost it. I mean, I've lost some of it, but not all of it. And that part I know is true because I've done the research. I have had drinking holidays, and I've had sober holidays. And I am here to tell you that sober holidays are so much better you still have fun and it's like actual fun that you can remember that you actually know you're having fun. And you also know you're not going to wake up with a headache tomorrow. You're not going to wake up feeling like shit. You're also, you're going to remember what you said and you're not going to act in a way that you wouldn't normally act. I mean, how amazing is that? You're removing the question mark too. I mean that, you guys, I think I'm going to do a whole podcast episode on that because when we invite alcohol to the party, there's just a big question mark. It's bringing a huge question mark along with it. And when we're not inviting alcohol to the party, what's the worst that's going to happen? We're going to feel uncomfortable. Oh my God. We're going to feel uncomfortable. Stop the presses. How the hell do we feel uncomfortable? You know what? It gets easier and it gets easier by feeling uncomfortable. You just do it. You practice. But when alcohol is invited to the party, you don't know what it's going to bring. What's the worst that could happen? I mean, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole here, but I'm sure you can go down it in your mind because there are a lot of there are a lot of bad things that can ha- happen when alcohol is invited. So don't invite it. And 
if this is your first sober Labor Day, I am very proud of you. Just decide that you want to see what it's like. See what that pool party or that barbecue, what it's like without alcohol. And report back. And I'm willing to guess that it's probably more fun. And then you won't start your week off feeling like shit. Hey, that's the best result ever. Okay, real quick, I'm very excited about today's episode. So I've been following Courtney Anderson, who it's so funny. She is Sober Vibes. It's sober.vibes on Instagram. So I didn't really know it was Courtney Anderson, but anytime Sober Vibes came up in my feed, I would repost them pretty much all of the time repost her, which I found out, because the way she talks about sobriety is just badass. And totally, I I related with all of it. Um, Let's see. I just posted one the other day from her. I think it said, people who don't support you not drinking alcohol are called assholes. There you go. Courtney said it. Sober Vibes, she's a sobriety influencer and now she's an author. Her book comes out very soon. It is linked in the show notes. And um, I'm very excited for you to meet Courtney Anderson. Don't forget, come and join the Sober Mom Life Cafe if you want bonus episodes, if you want to chat on Discord all day long with ladies just like you, and if you want to partake in our weekly Zoom meetings. We're up to four meetings a week. We have book club coming up. It's a whole fun party over there. That is linked in the show notes to $15 a month. Come and join us and enjoy this episode with Courtney. Courtney Anderson, thank you for being on the Sober Mom Life podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you today. I am so excited to talk to you. I have to tell you, your Instagram account, Sober Vibes, I think... It was definitely my favorite account when I first started my account, and it's probably the account that I share the most of and repost the most. You guys go to it right now. It's sober.vibes. Your posts are, first of all, they're very aesthetically pleasing, which I love. Like the colors, I'm very picky with all of that stuff, and I love it. But also, you're irreverent, and you just get straight to the point. Like, sobriety is the ultimate act of self-love, period done. Like, I I love it. I love that it's just straight to the point. Yes, that is fact. I reshare it. It's just so easy. So thank you. Well, thank you. I love hearing that. You know, I wanted to make that space as I've grown into that space. I just wanted to make it empowering, welcoming. I'm the same way about the like aesthetics. Like on my personal account, I don't care. But on this, aesthetically to me, it's very pleasing. And I really just wanted it welcoming and empowering. And I I had this conversation with somebody else the other day where, you know, I'm not going to sit there and and tell you X, Y, A, B, C, D, E, F, G of things to do. It's just like little posts throughout the day so you can see it and and remember it because you got to keep it simple. You can't overcomplicate sobriety. No, it's so true. And I mean, we, I think we overcomplicate everything. I know I do. And so just having those like little morsels and nuggets, and it's just like, hey, here's a reminder. And there you go. Like, go on your day. That's all you need. I just, I love it. And, and, I like to meet you now too and like see the face behind the account because I never, you guys, her account, I mean, you do have some reels that show your face, but not much. Like it's all just pretty much shareable content. So I like to put the face behind the account now. 
Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. That's another thing that I purposely did because I didn't always want to be constantly posting my face, you know? Right. No, I get it. (laughs) You're not always video ready. And again, like on my personal account, I don't care. But for that, it's just strictly, it's for you, not for me. Yes. I love that. And it definitely comes across and it totally helped me in my early sobriety and when I was starting the Sober Mom Life Instagram account. Yours was one that I would go to and be like, okay, yes, like this is a great reminder. This is what I need. I'm excited. Yeah, you're here to talk about your book that comes out. When does it come out? It's coming out August 15th. Oh, so it's out. Your book is out. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Great. Yes. It's Sober Vibes, A Guide to Thriving in Your First Three Months Without Alcohol. I mean... That's huge. That's what we all need. And I want to talk about that. I want to get into the book. But first, can you share a little bit about your story and your story with alcohol and then into sobriety? Yeah. So my story, I always like to say, started on August 18th of 2012. And that is the first day of my sobriety journey. Previous to that, I was in a 10-year love affair, a toxic love affair with, with alcohol. I did identify as a alcoholic. Of course, it starts off innocently, which I think it does for everybody. No one starts drinking to be like, I want a drinking problem. Right. Right. So it starts off innocently. And from 19 to 29, it just kept growing and growing and growing and getting darker and darker and darker. So at the age of 25, though, after a night of what always happened to me of my increased drinking problem, I just woke up the next day. I was like, there's going to be a time in my life I I won't be able to drink alcohol anymore. I'm not going to be able to do this forever. I know I'm going to have to be sober. You thought that at 25? Yes. That's interesting, right? And so like that was already in the back. You weren't ready yet. You weren't ready to say like, well, that time's... It's not now. It's not yet, but I know it's coming. Right, exactly. Well, yeah, because I I mean, and I wasn't in denial of it. I I knew I knew that I had an issue and that alcohol didn't it didn't work for me, but I was 25. I was like, how do I live without alcohol? I don't know how to do that because that's all I do is is drink and work. So yeah, so I had that moment at 25. Okay. And I'm so interested in this because, you know, with the term alcoholic, I don't consider myself an alcoholic just because that term to me kept me drinking. I didn't find power in it. Okay. So when you're 25 and you're thinking that alcohol is a problem, were you seeing people around you who were drinking, quote unquote, successfully? Yeah, like some of my friends were able to drink and not have the problems that I did. Absolutely. You know, but... I did hang out with a lot of people who liked to drink, and that is what we did, right? And then I I grew up in a home where drinking was shown as fun. It was shown as the way you celebrate. It was shown as if you had a bad day. It was a part of the family culture. So yeah, but I was always the friend who was out of hand. You know, it was all fun and games up until midnight, and I turned into a little drunk angry gremlin, you know? Right. (laughs) And, you know, with with that decade too, there was lost opportunities, you know, waking up in uh, jail, waking up in hospitals. I mean, that's where my drinking always led me, waking up, having multiple one night stands and not knowing the dude's names, but being like, oh, I can tell you what bar we, I met this guy at, you know? So I lived like that for 10 years. Yeah. 
And then at 29, it was finally to the point I was working my last shift in the bar industry. I was going into the medical field full time and I woke up after my last shift and my boyfriend at the time was like, the cat's gone. I I lost our rescue cat for the second time in a blackout. And I had also stand over our bed and threatened to kill my boyfriend. Okay. And you didn't remember it when you woke up? No, God, no. No, I would say like 90% of my drinking, I blacked out. Okay. And so then when he told you that, when he was like, yeah, what went through your mind and how did you feel? Well, I was still drunk that morning. So I was like, oh, you know, I think I might've giggled. But as the drunkness wore off and that I came to, to realize that my cat was missing and then the anxiety started to kick in, because that's another thing at 25 that happened to me, my hangovers turned. And where I started to get those panic attacks and that like lingering anxiety for days upon days. So my anxiety kicked in, the shame kicked in. I was laying there for the first day, just dry heaving on the carpet because I could barely get my head up Mm. because I was so hungover, right? So for three days, my cat was missing. And on Mm. that third day, I found her. Within that period of time, though, I said out loud to the universe in our spare bedroom, with vomit on the floor. I said, if I find Fiona, I will give up alcohol. And I haven't touched it since. Wow. It's so interesting because I think we all have that moment, right? Where that moment of like something, you know, people call it like the click or the just like, you know, you're done. Because I'm guessing that probably wasn't the worst thing that happened to you, right? When you were drinking. No, not at all. There there had been other horrible things, right? I mean, that wasn't. And so why do you think it was that time? It was that time because what I was met with, with my boyfriend and, you know, Fiona also too, we rescued her from the streets. And so what I was met with was timing. Mm Mm-hmm. The pure exhaustion of being on that cycle and being good and tired at 29, like at 29, I was about to turn 30, I was exhausted and I felt like an 85-year-old man, you know, just I didn't feel good. And then, so it was timing and then also too with two people that I loved more myself and that the boyfriend who is now my husband, he presented me with something that nobody else did. Mm. Nobody, you know, people around me enabled me for years, does not make them bad people, but there's just not a lot of education or awareness around what people really should do to help loved ones, right? And then too, when you have loved ones who have their own addiction issues, how can they sit there and tell you not to drink when they have their own issues? So I was met with all of that at one single time, and I just had to choose different because I needed off of the ride. Yes. What do you think your boyfriend at the time and now husband, what did he provide you? Because, you know, we have this a lot from the wife or the partner's perspective of if we stop drinking, but our husbands are still drinking or maybe their drinking is ramped up. Like, what do you think that he provided you at that time that was kind of just allowed you or guided you to a place where you could look at your relationship with alcohol? I don't know if he provided me anything that I didn't already know, 
he just provided me that stepping stone of like, I'm not going to continue on this. Like if, and if our cat doesn't come back and still to this day, Fiona is with us. Oh, yes. Like, and they're two peas in a pod. And it's just so funny because he never wanted her from the first place. But I was like, please, please, please. Like I will clean the litter box. She needs a home. And he was like, fine, because he never grew up with cats. And you're either a cat person or a dog person, right? So I've always been a cat person. And then that man was wrapped around her little paw within like 24 hours. So they loved each other. So he was very upset. I think it was just the opportunity of looking at it of this whole pie, right? Like putting all the pieces together in this puzzle and being like, okay, I really love this person. We've been together for a year and a half living to each other. Like, let's see where this goes. And and I don't want to keep losing my cat who does that, you know, and I don't want to keep this road's going to lead me to a, a path of killing myself by the time I reach 40. Because my drinking, that's where my drinking was. Yeah, it was the accountability and him setting boundaries, which is what we talk about, right? And like, yeah, you can't get someone else to stop drinking, but you can love them through your boundaries and through accountability. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the thing where people are like with you can't get somebody else sober. And I do agree with that. However, if you're in a situation where sometimes there are people who need that and I needed that option at that time where it was just like you can continue on. He never was like, you got to stop. He never used that verbiage with me. He was like, you can continue on or I'm not going to be around for this. You know, it was never that. And even too, in the process of our relationship and being together for over a decade at this point now, he never said that, like, if you ever drink again, I'm leaving. It was never like that. So I've always looked at that as it was what was supposed to happen at that time. Mm -hmm. It is. I do think timing is such a big part of it too, because it's like all of the building blocks, right? It's like all of these little chips away. It's not like one rock bottom moment. A lot of the times it's not you're reaching the bottom, whatever that is for you, whenever enough is enough and you kind of know it. And so you knew it. Fiona came back, you found Fiona and you said, okay, I'm done. What did you do then? What was that next step? Like that next day, what did that look like? That next day, I mean, I still kind of had a hangover for like a good week. (laughs) Yeah. Then I, I proceeded to just one day at a time of not drink. I then went and checked out AA in the beginning. I did not vibe with it. I did not connect with it. I was had a lot of social anxiety and it was very intimidating. Okay. Tell me about that. So this was 10 years ago, right? Yeah, so I'll be 11 on August 18th. Oh, wow. So 11. Yeah, we're almost on 11. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Okay, so this was 11 years ago. And so AA was probably the only show in town, right? Yeah, that or rehab. And I was never gifted the rehab option, which I get really jealous when other people tell me about their rehab days. (laughs) I want to go just for a week. I know. I had this conversation with one mom in our group, and she's been to rehab, and she was like, you guys, we need to normalize going to rehab as like a positive thing. And I understand it can be a luxury, like a lot of people aren't afforded that option. But yeah, like it sounds like this intensive kind of therapy work, all work on ourselves. Like it sounds very life-giving. If you're detoxing off of a substance that is awful and, and horrible, but if you could do it in a safe place and then also get that support that you need and a community and connection, like it does sound like, yeah, let's normalize going to rehab and not make it a shameful thing. 
Right. And then plus two, we're talking about 11 years ago. So like, that's the whole thing. You know, we've come a long way and God, I don't even know what insurances cover nowadays with rehab stays and all of that. So yeah, so rehab and AA were the only things that I knew of, right? So I tried with AA and it was just, it was, it was overwhelming. And like I said, I didn't connect with it. Hearing the word God really, I was not connected with God or a higher power at the time. So I just white knuckled that old sobriety for close to two years. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. That first year, especially I did. And then the second year, I have to say, like, once you get past that one year mark, there's a shift and then you want to start focusing on other things. Because I'm a very, I'm a person who, and even too, I explain this in the book, like, don't overwhelm yourself. Because I lived in such a cycle of like, hey, come Monday, I'm going to lose 100 pounds, be a millionaire, quit drinking, quit smoking cigarettes, quit eating sugar. So for that first year, I just really took it a day at a time. Yes, that is so important. You hear that a lot about people like trying to, it's like, okay, I'm feeling great. I'm, you know, 30 days dry January. I'm going to now like cut out sugar because I've been eating too much sugar and all that. And I'm like, no, 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 You got to slow down. Like all you got to do is sleep, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sleep, rest, heal, go slowly. The rest will come. As long as you get alcohol off of the table, you're in a good spot, right? Right, exactly. You know, after that year, then I got into nutrition and exercise as part of my program and then back into therapy. And then I've hired coaches myself. I went back to AA for a summer and participated. And I really, throughout that process too, I dug deep into personal development. So there's no one way to recover. Right. And so it was kind of this piecemeal thing, right? Like you took from AA what you wanted to, and then you found your own coach, your therapy, all of these things. What do you think made the biggest difference in going from kind of white knuckling, because we talk about that, right? And then into the freedom aspect of sobriety. I have to say what made a complete difference in me in my recovery journey, especially to those first five years, were it was personal development. Yeah. Because when you get sober, you are this baby in a grown ass man or woman's body, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You don't know what the hell's going on. You really don't. And then you have to look at, so, you know, by the time my clarity came, my clarity was coming to, I would say it was probably like around the like three, four month mark where I was like, Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like when you start to see shit clearly and then you're like, oh, wait, like there's a lot here. There's a lot of mold in my basement. That's what I always call it. I'm like, we got to deal with the mold in the basement. Yes. And then throughout those years, it's like something else will come up and you're like, oh, so that's really not how that was, you know, because then it makes you, so then I had to reflect back to throughout those first couple of years of like my whole life. Yes. Of the uh, my own family dynamic and then, you know, my own perception of myself and to my own perception of myself in my active addiction. Because when you're in it and when you're out of it, it's two separate things because when you look back, you see it clearly And then, you know, definitely just like, so the personal development for me really came into play with more of when I needed in therapy, when I needed to work on my emotional sobriety. 
And nowadays you hear people talk about emotional sobriety, but for anybody who's in that first year, don't even worry about emotional sobriety until afterwards. Totally. Because you you won't get it until you are in it and you then you get it. Yeah, I think that's such a good tip because it can be really overwhelming. And, you know, that's what I kind of push against is this like the AI idea that's like, well, you're not sober unless you're working this stuff. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. Like, let's just like, there's no judge and jury here. Removing alcohol from your life, it takes some steps, right? Mm -hmm. And removing it is like the first step. And then it's the healing and all of that stuff. And it's going to happen you're going to do the quote unquote work, even though it's your life's work. It's not right. Your life's work is to figure out what you need and how you feel. Exactly. And, you know, I had a lot of people who said that to me in the beginning. It was like, well, you need to do this and this and this. And like nobody in, you know, telling me I wasn't sober because of that same thing. And that's where that type of talk is very dangerous and it's harmful. And that's why I also too, you know, people have also said that I shouldn't have been talking about my sobriety out loud. And it was like, but I had to live the complete opposite that I did in my active addiction for my own personal well-being and sharing on social media 30 days in has helped me because why am I going to keep lurking around in the corners and being all hush hush when I'm sober now? I'm proud of that. You know, right. Exactly. That's what we talk about a lot. It's like bringing, yeah, when we are out loud about our sobriety, you really do like rid yourself of the shame. And for those of of us who know shame very well, and if you were drinking a lot, and if you have those shameful moments that you're still working through, the shame doesn't have to keep compounding into sobriety. Sobriety is not shameful. Sobriety is you shining a light on that mold and saying like, okay, let's go. We got it, right? And yeah, the darkness in sobriety, it just has no place. There's no place. And if the other person wants to live like that, cool. But that's just not how I wanted to do it. I think it's pretty old school. I think it's pretty, the the whole, it's it's the anonymous, right? It's the anonymous part of the a- of AA. And it's, it is, I, I do think that the tide is changing where it's like, oh, no, wait, actually sober is like yourself realized and actualized. And it's, it's pretty fucking awesome. And so like, why would I want to hide this? Right. Well, and we got to go back and this is not a knock to the 12 step programs, but the 12 steps were created by two white Baptist men in the, the late thirties, early forties. So like, yes, you can knock them. That's fine. <laughs> well, I mean, and like, that's the thing. Everybody should try it to see if it works for them. But then that's the same literature that has been repeated and repeated and repeated to 2023. And not everybody vibes like that. Like the other day on my Sober Vibes account, because I always do like an Ask Me Anything Monday. And this person was like, I'm 11 days sober. I'm going on a bachelorette party. Can you give me tips? My tip was exit stage left when you're ready to. You can go back to your room at any time. Like, don't be afraid to leave if you start getting triggered. And then I had people commenting me and the DMs being like, they shouldn't go. And I'm like, that's not what I wanted to do. That's not the approach I take. Because when you tell somebody, you tell a grown ass adult, no, 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 what are they going to do? They're just going to go and do it. And then they're just going to feel shame. And they're going to feel already like I'm I'm wrong and I just can't figure this out. I get comments about being anti-AA and I'm not 
anti anything that works for somebody, right? I don't have a judgment on anybody, how anybody wants to get or stay sober. Like, that's great. I'm anti-AA for me. And I have to protect my space. And like in my group, I, I don't allow much AA talk because the problem is generally that kind of talk takes up all of the oxygen in the room. First of all, we know it's there. We know it's like AA does not need more marketing. Like we know that it's there. We know it's an option. What needs more oxygen and more space are these other paths to sobriety and other ways to to support each other in sobriety. And so like AA has its place and it will stay there and people will always know that's an option. But it's so important to know that like that's not the only way. And, you know, maybe it's just the loudest people in AA, but it does feel judgmental and shaming. And that just has never worked for me. Well, yeah. Well, that's where Sober Vibes was created when I participated in that summer of AA because I I always felt comfortable at a woman's table and safe there. And so for that summer, I sat and listened and I'm like, there's got to be more to this because I had already been living more, I should say, than what I was seeing. What do you mean? Well, I just, I sat and I listened to women say they wish they could go to like a Tigers baseball game. And to be able to sit there with some some friends and not feel triggered or pressured into drinking. I sat and listened to women be like, all I do is go to work and then come here. I don't have anything more for myself, right? Yeah. And so what I was listening to was that these women needed to be more empowered at that time to a lot of the groups on social media, whether it be Facebook groups or Instagram pages that were starting, they were male dominant. And then in some of these Facebook groups, I just saw some creepy weirdoness or one time I swore in, in this group describing the fertility issues I was going at during the time. And I used the word fuck because that's part of my vocabulary. Because it's a great word. Right. It's a, gr- it's a great word. Yeah. So this woman <laughs> then comments on the bottom and is like, well, God doesn't want you to be a mom because you have a mouth like that. Oh, good Lord. Right. So that was happening during the summer of being an AA. And I was like, this is what I mean. So that's why I created Sober Vibes and what it has evolved into. It's because men and women, when it comes to recovery and sobriety, it's too, they shouldn't even be sitting at the same tables together. Right. It's completely different. It's a completely different experience from the man's, the male and the women. And I have to say that. And what men don't get is also too why it's a little bit difficult for women is because then we have our hormones and then going through perimenopause, menopause, like, so that's one thing. And then just, that's how I feel about that. But that's where I created Sober Vibes. Yes. I mean, thank God you did because we need spaces like that, that welcome women without shame and judgment, like you could say fuck, you could say fuck all you want, all you want here. We welcome it. We're doing something different. Yeah. And it, and it needed to be. And, you know, and then I'll have people too, and I'm sure you have it where I have people who will be like, well, you should talk more about drugs. Like I have an issue with drugs. And like I, t- I had to tell this one person a couple of weeks ago, I was like, create it. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, create it yourself. Why I created this back in 2016-ish like, is because I needed more. I just needed more. Yeah, you created what you needed. And that's what I did too. I created 
what I needed. And and I'll get people like, well, you really should, you know, call yourself an alcoholic or you really should welcome. I'm like, but that's not what I needed. And I'm constantly talking to myself in January 2020. Like, I'm just constantly saying like, okay, what did Sue's January 19th, 2020 need? Okay, great. I'm going to talk to her, you know? And obviously, it's a need. Like, your account has grown. Now you have the book. Like, this account's growing. Like, women need to hear this other message and and have other options. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I want to keep going on your story, and then I want to talk about the book. So you tried AA. You, you liked the women's meeting. And then where did it go from there? Yeah, I did that for a summer and felt like I was, you know, I took what I wanted and left the rest. And then from there, it went into more of getting into meditation, hiring coaches, continuing with therapy. And within these practices of like my daily day to day, because what people don't really understand a lot of this, it's like there's no magic pill for sobriety. It's a lot of holistic practices you have to start doing day in, day out to get your nervous system even and help you be less compulsive and understand. That's why it's a bunch of practices all in one. But that's really where I developed more of what I do is, uh, you know, 10 to 20 minutes of personal development a day. My gratitude journal, I write five things I'm grateful for. Meditation every day. And like, I still do that every day. Because it's part of my routine. Okay, how long do you meditate every day? 10 minutes. I don't need to sit there for... Okay, but that feels like two weeks. When I sit to to meditate, and I have tried this, like, I remember, like, I've been trying to meditate since probably 2017 when I read 10% Happier by Dan Harris. And I was like, great, got it. Like, it doesn't have to be an overall life hall. You know, I don't have to go on this silent retreat, but I can, like, work it into my life. And then it's just... Maybe I don't want it enough. Maybe that's why. Maybe I don't want to meditate, but I feel like I should. Okay, but when you're meditating, what are you doing? I do like a a body scan. Do you do a guided or do you do this yourself? Sometimes I do the Peloton guided meditation, which that's good. Okay. You know what it is? I think my like obstacle for meditation is that I don't see what I'm getting from it. I love yoga. Like I just did an hour of hot yoga this morning and I'm like, I want to feel it. And so yoga to me is kind of a meditation, but this is the productivity problem, right? Where I'm like, well, meditation doesn't feel productive to me. And so I don't want to do it, which I know is a problem. Yeah, but you're already meditating because in yoga, when you're doing that, that's an awareness, right? And it's in a silence. And so you're meditating. Okay, good. And it it just looks different for anybody. But like I had to start at a minute and then I built myself up to 10. I'm not trying to sit there and levitate for 30 minutes to an hour. I don't want to do that. Wait, can people really levitate? Wait, what? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just fucking I'm like, well, I do want to do that. No, but I'm the same way. I don't ever want to go on a silent retreat. Right. You know, but again, if people do that, that's great. Okay. So I am meditating. Okay. This makes me feel better. Mm -hmm, You are. I get a lot out of yoga and then it's all those shoulds. These are the shoulds, right? The shoulds in sobriety are like, well, you should really be working on yourself and you should be. And it's like, well, fuck the shoulds. Like, what are we feeling and, and what do we need? 
Yeah, I do say though with meditation because it has helped me and that's when you're not going to see the benefits of meditation today, but you might see it like six months down the road or a year down the road. And my sister one time said to me, she's like, what happened to you? And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you're not as reactive as you once used to be. I said, because that's meditation. It's almost like you're, you're building a muscle but it's, you're building your brain. Like it's, you're you're just, that's the best way I can describe it. And your mind's never going to go silent. If your mind goes silent, then you're dead. You're right. You know, it's just the act of sitting and it's, it's an awareness. They have walking meditations now. So that's why I'm saying yoga is that you're doing it. No, it makes so much sense because that's definitely what yoga gives me is just Yes, being less reactive. I guess just being comfortable being uncomfortable. And like I can deal with a tantrum by my three-year-old. It's I don't join in because I'm just like, cool, let's sit into it, sink into it. Like that's what yoga is for me. So that makes sense. Okay, I like it. You made me feel better about that. Okay, and then personal development. When did the book idea come into play? Because your book really is all about really those first three months and guiding you through that. And I see that a lot as personal development. Oh my God, yes. I mean, personal development came into my life in like 2015. I was not a reader. Like when I was younger, I enjoyed reading. But then in life and active addiction, I was one of those who would pick up a book and then like a year later, pick it up and I'm still on chapter one. (laughs) Yeah. So I just started reading books of personal development and self-help and really you know, you're not going to take all the principles from all of those books, but definitely you learn something new, right? I mean, I have learned something new from all of those books that I have read. And I've actually always wanted to read a book since I was, or read a book, write a book since I was like seven. So I have to say this book, how it has all come to be is because I gave up alcohol on August 18th, 2012, right? But how it came to light was my editor reached out to me. She slid into my DMs on Instagram and said she had been following Sober Vibes for a long time and wanted to write about this topic. And she would wanted me to write it. So she says, she's like, well, what do you want to write about? Do you want to write about your story? I was like, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, thanks. Uh, Yeah, I'm like, I'm not there yet, nor do I really think I ever want to do that. I was like, but I do feel like there's a need in the quit lit that there needs to be more books about the how to's because I, I'm not knocking anybody because everybody's story is important and anybody who writes it is amazing. But what I have heard from women throughout the years is I've heard this. I've read all the quit lits. I follow all of these pages. I listen to the podcast and I'm not doing this right. And it's because people are trying to take from me, from you, from AA, from this, from that, from this, and then trying to apply what they like their stories to them. When what people have to understand about the sobriety and recovery process, you have to tailor it to you. Yes. You know, and so the majority of the questions is how do I overcome cravings? How do I socialize without alcohol? You know, like put up boundaries, triggers, how do I get that? And all of these questions are answered in my book of just really helping the person through those first three months because they're the most crucial. It's so true. It brings me back to that like baby idea where it's we are like little sober babies not knowing. And I think one of the things is when you're drinking, you don't even know what you don't know how to do. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right. So you're not thinking like, oh, well, obviously I'm drinking to escape and not deal with this and 
not think about this for my child. Like we don't even know what we don't know. And so then when we stop drinking, we are dealing with the physical effects and the cravings and the triggers and the social stuff. But then we're also dealing with all the shit underneath. And so it's like layer by layer. I like that yours is like a workbook, like to work through the three months, like what's going to come up here? You have stuff that you're going to write down, like these prompts, these questions to kind of guide through that tumultuous, yeah, first three months. Right. And that, and I love that there's actually room in the book to write through those journal prompts because I've, I have read books and if there's not space in there, I'm like, <laughs> I don't do it. Totally. Like I'm not going to get out like of a, a, my trapper keeper and three ring. Yeah. Right. So I'm so grateful that there's areas in that, but it really is. And I even talk about it too, where I'm like, look, you have options because everybody thinks that, you know, there's this one magical place that's going to get you sober. And that's just not the case. And, you know, and and so I talk about your options of what you can do. Like most people don't even know that there's therapists who specialize in addiction alone. And I share that in the book, like here's the website to go to, to look up a therapist near you. Yeah, my mom. That's that's my mom. She just retired. So you guys, she just works with me now. But yes, like those are very, yeah. And that's the thing. If you're not exposed to this online community of sobriety and recovering out loud, people don't know. And that's part of the reason, too, of creating National Sober Day. It's like it was just to bring an added awareness to what goes on because people died. I mean, I hate to sound so extreme about it, but that is the truth. People die from drinking themselves to death. And then what we're seeing too on this flip side of it's younger and younger and younger people who are drinking themselves to death. Yes. Wait, what's the National Sober Day? You created that? How do I not know about this? Tell me. Yes. National Sober Day I created back in 2019. So it's September 14th of every calendar year. You guys, what are we going to do to celebrate? Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm putting it in my calendar. (laughs) Yeah, please do. I plan to have a rager in Detroit, which I've wanted to do for many years. And of course, 2020 in the year I was supposed to do it. We all know what happened in 2020. Uh 2021, I had my son. I was like, nope, not playing anything. Yes. 2024, you should come to Detroit for the party. And it will be on a Friday. Oh, there we go. Okay, National Sober Day, you guys. September 14th. We're going to celebrate. We'll we'll make it a you thing. Should. We'll, yes. Heck yeah. I love that. I love just anything to bring awareness. Right. Well, even in your group. Yes, totally. We'll do a virtual happy hour. Do you know Mocktail Mom, Deb? Yeah, I think so. You probably do. You probably do on Instagram. She has a happy half hour, but it's so hard to say. She does it Thursdays and this falls on a Thursday. So maybe we'll do something with Deb for National Sober Day. That would be fun. There you go. Perfect. I want everybody to get your book. If you are newly sober, if you're sober curious, everybody order Courtney's book. We'll link it in the show notes. But also what is one, and I know it's so hard to say, like what's one tip for the first three months? But what do you think... I don't know, like a guiding principle or just a way to think about the first three months, because I think that we can let our thoughts trip us up a lot in those first three months and we can freak ourselves out and we can talk ourselves out of it. And so what would your advice be? The first three months are not easy. This is why I wrote about it. And I don't sugarcoat stuff. And I I say that a lot, like you need to trust the process of this. 
the first three months of your sobriety, unless you catch that pink cloud, majority of people don't though. And it's not all rainbows and unicorns and scrunchies. But (laughs) what you have to keep reminding yourself is how do you want to show up in this life? Mm. Okay. Mm. And you're going to have to get through that hard part to how you want to show up in this life because you do not want to keep showing up how you have been showing up with alcohol in your life. People are so scared of change, but change is going to happen when you're making such a life, big lifestyle change. And if change doesn't happen, it means that you didn't do a goddamn thing. Right. It means you're stuck. Right. So just like keep trusting the process of it. Keep asking yourself, how do you want to show up in this life? And just know that each day you have under your belt, in your purse, whatever, that it's just, it's another day. And once all those days start adding up, you start feeling better and better and better. You have to fight some days. Don't be so easy just to give in the towel. Like you, you have to be your number one supporter. When I, when I got my chip at AA that year, they're like, how'd you get here? I said, myself. <laughs> you were like Snoop Dogg. You were like that, that Snoop Dogg speech. <laughs> right. And like, it was like the record scratch, you know, cause everyone, when they get their chip, it's always, I always hear it's God. And I'm like <laughs> myself. <laughs> But it wasn't, e- it wasn't ego fueled. And what I meant by that is like, because I had to believe in myself on the days that I just wanted to take some Jameson to the face yeah. and like, just keep going forward. So like, I, you have to believe in yourself and be your number one cheerleader. But also like, let it be ego fueled. Like what Holly Whitaker talks about in Quit Like a Woman. It's like, and this is this is what she talks about with AA. It's like women, we need bigger egos. Our problem has never been our that our egos are too big, right? Like that's just not us. Women, we are very used to making ourselves small, putting ourselves last on the list. Like our egos need some work. And I mean, how badass of you to say, yeah, it was me. Because I I think and just some feedback that I've heard about AA is it is kind of like taking like even like the sponsor role, which I totally understand. And community, I think, is essential in sobriety. Change your community, change your life. But also there is something about being able to self-soothe and to, you know, go inside yourself and know what you need and know how you're feeling and know what you want. And, and when it's constantly you're looking to somebody else to kind of help you through that. Yeah, that's just kind of reiterating the fact that you can't do it, that you're not strong enough. And are you strong enough to do this alone? Yes. Do you have to? No, thank God. Right. Or think whatever you believe. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. And that's why it's like everybody can do hard things, but you don't have to do them alone. So and there's just so many ways of having support around you nowadays than what was once the, you know, the two options that were given. Yeah, totally. Oh, my God. Well, I cannot wait to get my hands on this book. You guys were linking it in the show notes. Maybe we'll do like a fun little giveaway on Instagram or something or on here or in the group. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, stay tuned for that. Okay, tell everybody where we can find you. So out of all of, you know, the bajillion social medias we <laughs> yeah. have nowadays, I like to party the most on Instagram. You can find me at my on my podcast too, Sober Vibes. 
My website is CourtneyRecovered.com. The book is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble that you can order today, or you can go to my website and there's more links to where you can get the book. So I'm always open to my DMs unless you're an asshole, then I will not answer them. (laughs) Don't be an asshole. No assholes allowed. Right. But I respond to my DMs for the most part. So you can always reach out. That's amazing. Good. And we will have all of those links in the show notes. I'm going to leave you with, Courtney, I'm going to leave you with your words. One of your posts that I think I have reposted many times is stop settling for the lie alcohol keeps telling you. Bam. Bam. That's it. Stop settling. We deserve so much better. Oh my God. Absolutely. Courtney, thank you so much. This was amazing. And I'm so excited and congrats on the book. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. Yeah, but you're already meditating. I'm not trying to sit there and levitate for 30 minutes to an hour. I don't want to do that. Wait, can people really levitate? Wait, what? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just fucking <laughs> I'm like, well, I just do want to do that. that. <laughs> Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.